Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Focus on Albany. I'm Cynthia Pooler, and my guest today is Assemblyman John McDonald. And Assemblyman McDonald is uh, going to give his thoughts on Kathy Hochul, our new governor, and the new administration. So, John, do you think this is going to definitely be uh, a new era in state politics? Without a doubt, Cynthia. I mean, obviously, you know, Kathy Hochul, who is no stranger to many of us, who's been in every county of the state of New York multiple times through all the years. Um, I loved her line yesterday. Uh, she had a couple of good lines, but the one that I really appreciated was basically, you may now not know me, but I know you. And it's testimony to her attention to detail, to working to really understand the needs of all New Yorkers. And, you know, I guess selfishly from an upstate perspective, it's been a long time, over 100 years, since we've had an upstate governor. Uh, it's the first time we've had a woman governor, which is history. And, you know, and I, you know, obviously her intention is to, is to break history again next year and be re- and be elected as the first woman governor. So, you know, I think she's in a great position. She's coming in at a very sad and dark time in our state's history. Um, you know, the book on Andrew Cuomo will be written for a long period of time. There were things that he accomplished, and there were things that obviously were just absolutely um, – she has an opportunity to clean the decks. She has an opportunity to take the executive's role and bring it to a whole – another level and actually do something that's been missing in government for a bit of time, which is to establish a working relationship with the legislature. I think that's something that um, I know as a guy who was a former executive who ran a small city, I always value the importance of that relationship with the legislative branch because the truth of the matter is if you step back, we all represent the same people. Maybe the legislators have little, districts, but the reality is they're represented consecutively by the assembly member or the senator and also the executive. And that's where our focus should be is on the people's needs. Mm-hmm. So w- did you did you go to her speech yesterday? Did you hear it? Uh, well, I, I heard, I heard like- her speech yesterday. Yeah, her, her speech was not, you know, was not open to the public. It was delivered to the okay. public, you know, because of COVID and, and many other things. And, and she did it the right way. You know, the reality is uh, this is not a time for celebration. It's a time for action. And that's what she's going to be focusing on is getting the work done to the people of state of New York. And her priorities, COVID, kids in school, and changing the, the environment at the, at the executive level makes perfect sense. You know, this has been, a, you know, she, the last part I want to bring up. This has been an issue the legislature has talked about for years, and we've tried to get action on it, but we're not getting any response from the executive. Our staff and our members all go through sexual harassment and ethics training each and every year in person. It's not an option. You have to do it. It's in the law. But the executive branch was exempted. It did not make sense at all. And now we have a governor who says, I agree with you. She's issuing the executive order to set the tone. And it's hopeful that the legislation that I'm sponsoring in the assembly will move forward in that aspect. Just make sure that every, every public employee, irrespective of legislative or executive branch 
responsibilities uh, operates under the same rules because that's how we should treat each other. What do you think the um, her agenda will be significantly different from Andrew Cuomo's agenda? What do so you she's think? In a, in a, she, yeah, I, I think she's going to be. First of all, the most important thing is we've got this impending eviction moratorium on August 31st, which in reality it, it will go on much longer because of. The courts are just not prepared to deal with a lot of the evictions. But more importantly, as we've been encouraging every week for the last three months, people need to fill out an application. It staves off eviction and gives them an opportunity to get the rent relief money. So number one priority she stated yesterday was getting that rent relief money out the door as quickly as possible. That is critical. I think she has an opportunity to really change the way government has operated and being more open and responsive to FOIL requests. I think we need to take J-COPE and, and just change the whole makeup. I think it has to be such that the governor and the legislature do not have an overwhelming control of J-COPE. That's, that's just not going to, it's not going to give the public confidence. And, and the governor made that very clear. She wants people to trust in their government again. Now, what year were you first elected to the Assembly? I started January 1st, 2013. 2013. So Cuomo was already governor for two years at that point. When uh, Andrew Cuomo first became governor, he um, promised it would be an open and transparent government. Mm -hmm. How... How quickly into his administration did people realize that those were only words that his his governorship would not be as transparent as he promised? I think his downfall was the way he established and then dis- disestablished the Moreland Commission. It was really done by executive fiat. It was not done in a very open and transparent process. And then over the years, um, you know, the Committee on Open Government has been very clear about how FOIL requests are supposed to be addressed, and there continue to be this buildup of of delays and non-responses and delays and non-responses with no recrimination. And, you know, I don't know all the details of every single FOIL request. And, Cynthia, you've been in politics long enough to know that as much as everybody tries to do government the right way, there's always going to be bad actors out there that try to make people look bad, even when something is not bad. That being said, you know, we need to be as transparent as possible. We need to be pushing out these FOIL requests on a public forum and and then let the public decide. But, you know, we are living in challenging times where, you know, the truth doesn't always matter anymore and people will say what they want. They'll say it in, in what they think is a responsible manner, but it's not, and it makes things extremely difficult. Um, my point in saying that, irregardless, I still have faith for the state of New York that there are a lot of people that are level-headed, even-minded, unbiased, that will say, okay, I read this, here's how I interpret it, and I, and I appreciate the fact that it's being provided. What frustrates people, and you've heard the expression, the cover-up is worse than the crime is when people go to great extents to try to cover things up when in reality is that just worsens the situation. And it just, it just 
it defies the trust that we need to have with our local government, with our people. When when the lawmakers started talking about Cuomo's got to go, Cuomo's got to go, it was like a domino effect. One said it, and then the the rest followed suit. Yeah. Were you surprised at how fast uh, Cuomo's goodwill vanished? No, I wasn't. Um, it's you know I've always said about the governor, and you know I've been around him for over thirty years, one way or the other. We're not personal friends by any stretch of the imagination. I've always appreciated a lot of what he stood for, not all, but a lot of. But I never liked the way he treated people, and quite frankly, that's not the way I tend to deal with people. Even if I may not agree with you, it's not as if I hate you or try to go after you by any stretch of the imagination. But that was his persona, and that's that's the way he 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 felt comfortable. Um, that's not really the way government should operate. We should not have a government based out of fear or intimidation. Um, you know, as you know, Cynthia, I was one of the first to call for the governor to step back during the mo- month of March when these stories started to happen and the report for the, the call for the attorney general to do the investigation. And my, you uh-huh. know, there were people that called for his resignation then, but that's because they just don't like the guy. I come from the old school that the bottom line is everyone, irrespective of who they are, are innocent until proven guilty. And therefore, I called for him to step back, let the investigation pursue, and then once we get the results from the investigation, we will then digest that and make next steps. And as you know, that report from the Attorney General came back. It wasn't he versus she. It was they versus he. Uh, the numbers were remarkably high, and the truth of the matter is he, 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 he lost the trust of the public, and his lack of relationships that have been degraded over the years, he had no friends left, which is it's, it's a sad thing to say about anybody, to be honest with you, but that's the way I look at it, is that, you know what, you'd be better off just packing your bags and moving on, and that's what he did, and to his credit, that might be one of the few right decisions he's made in the last year or so. You know, I just finished reading a book on Jeffrey Epstein, and Jeffrey Epstein's crimes were horrendous. Um, but he had friends in, in high places because he had the money to do that. Had Andrew Cuomo had the resources that, Jeffrey Epstein had, do you think he could have escaped the judgment that awaited him? Actually, Andrew Cuomo does have the resources. And I think he is going, he knows he's got a long fight ahead of himself. If you listen to his public comments, he's pretty confident he's going to win that. Um, That's something that, you know, quite frankly, we had, concerns about um if he stayed on and the assembly as you know i supported moving forward with the article of impeachment but if he stayed on and we went through the impeachment process that would take several months and we may still go through that but the reality is it would have been extremely difficult to be going through that process with him in office by him stepping aside 
that does not stop the impeachment process. But what it does do is it allows us to continue to operate government the way it should be. And Kathy Hochul is in that position right now. She's off to a great start. I'm very encouraged by the first couple of her hires. I think they're going to be positive in many aspects. Um, And, you know, she's also been smart. She's saying, listen, for the first 45 days, uh, everyone stays in place unless they decide they want to leave. And I'm going to make some decisions. And I think that's smart because, you know, you just can't come in and throw everybody off the ship and say we're going to have smooth sailing. We need to make sure that, you know, the, the, the wheels of government continue to function because New Yorkers rely on that. Do you see a lot of politicians uh, stepping up to the plate and possibly challenging Kathy Hogel for the governorship? You know, listen, the, you know, the governor, governor's office comes up every four years. So, you know, there's people that are eyeing it. I think it would be very unwise for somebody to come out of the box in the first month or so of Kathy Hochul's administration to be making any challenges. I think, it, like anything else, we should all be getting behind the governor, giving her that honeymoon period just like everybody else has had the luxury of having, which is usually a good three months, those first 100 days. Um, I think she's in a great position where she can really make some changes in regards to the executive branch alone, which the legislature will support. And that will send a very strong message to the residents of the state that she's not only talking to talk, she's walking to walk. Mm. It's going to be an interesting time. Um, It's going to be an interesting time to see how much support she's got and ultimately if she will be... um, the the nominee for governor without much, you know, people challenging her. Um, So what do you envision within the next year and a half that the Hochul administration will be able to accomplish? So I think that she will guide us to continued success under the COVID uh, crisis. I think that Mm -hmm. tenants are going to be seeing relief, which is going to help small landlords, which is important because if we are content with all the small landlords going out of business, that means the big corporate entities are going to come in, swoop up all the properties and raise the market rent, which is not good for anybody. I think you're going to see, um, I think you're going to, like I said, see changes on the ethics level and the workplace level. I think you're going to see a renewal of our housing program. You know, we've, we've committed and have spent over $2.5 billion the last five years on providing more affordable housing opportunities. That program sunsets here. We need to build upon that um, and, and, and extend it because we know housing needs are so critical, and they are so tied to people's overall health and welfare. Um, in a way, she's at a good time. Federal government has been very supportive. I'm providing a lot of resources. I think it's a good opportunity to be fiscally prudent in regards to spending the money the federal government has provided us. But the same token, as our economy is bouncing back, we need to also be prepared for rainy days down the road. You know, we're, we're in good shape financially for the next two years. Schools, education are going to be getting all the resources known to mankind. I know in my school districts I'm talking to, they're 
they're very pleased with how we've been able to support their educational needs. But we also need to be mindful of the fact that we're educating a child for a lifetime, not for two or three years. And we need to make sure we're just, you know, financially prudent with how we spend this money. By the time this gets uh, broadcast on, on WCAA on the radio, we will probably know who the lieutenant governor is. But this is the second day of Kathy Hochul's administration, and she has not, you know, mentioned who who she wants. Take a guess, and who do you think will be our next lieutenant governor? It will be the person she chooses. <laughs> Okay. I don't know. I, I've heard, you know, I've heard a couple. I, I, you know, it's obviously makes perfect sense for her to pick somebody from downstate and somebody from the Latino or the black community. I've heard names like Ruben Diaz, which is an excellent choice. I've heard names like Jamal Bailey, which is another excellent choice. Um, you know, I, I think she needs to be, you know, she's picking somebody that's not only going to be able to step into the role. God forbid something happens to her but someone who's going to be on a ticket with her when she runs next year. So, you know, that's a big commitment for anybody to make. Um, so, you know, time will tell who it's going to be. Um, but there, there are a lot of good people. I tell you, one of the beauties of being in the state legislature, and you don't see this in the public eye, you see it when you develop relationships. There are just some very good, genuine people that are there for the right reason. And, you know, that opportunity to, to represent the state at the statewide level is not something that should be taken lightly, but needs to be respected. And I, I know one thing, Kathy Hochul knows that job by everybody else. She was not a, a, a cheerleader by any stretch of the imagination. She was an active worker as Lieutenant Governor. And I think she wants to have a strategic partner that's going to help her lead New York forward. So the phrase, three men in a room, is no longer the case. Now, I remember when Andrea Stewart-Cousins became the majority leader, and he was kind of shut out. She was shut out of the negotiations where uh, Cuomo favored um, Jeff Klein. So the phrase, three men in the room, is no longer the case. How do you feel about that? From my perspective, it's three leaders in a room. That's what it is. That's what it okay. should be. And those leaders will do their job and do it, do it responsibly. I think I get it. I understand we've been focused on three men in a room, and, and it, it's a great thing that the media loves to, to talk about. Um, but the reality is we each leader, you know, and I can speak specifically to my leader, Carl Hasty, they, they, their job is to represent the interests of all their members, and they do a very good job at it. And that's part of the problem. It's going to be interesting to watch this unfold. Um, people, I know I didn't, and you know how I, I watch all this stuff. Um, mm-hmm. I was surprised when Cuomo said he was going to resign. But getting to something that's really important nowadays, and I think you can answer this because you're a pharmacist, what do you tell people who are still hesitant to get the vaccine for COVID. Yeah. You know, I've never been one to favor mandates. I mean, obviously those who work in healthcare know that you have to get vaccines. Those who serve our country know they have to get vaccines. That's a long established practice. But I've not been one to force people, but I really have strongly encouraged people. I can tell you as one who has administered 
almost over 4,000 vaccines individually, they are very safe. They are very well studied. Now we have one that has been FDA approved, which really should help erase any doubt of any individual about the vaccination. You know, the problem though, Cynthia, and you know, I referenced this a little bit earlier in our conversations, our, our, our greatest strength sometimes can be our biggest challenge and that's freedom of speech. So you have a lot of individuals relying on social media uh, who don't have a connection with a healthcare provider, a trusted healthcare provider. And I think that's the challenge. You know, we really need to recognize that, you know, over 600,000 people have died in this country. This was not a fluke. This is a very serious illness. And admittedly, the Delta variant, whereas many of the cases aren't advancing anywhere near to the level that we had before, as I say this to parents, why do you want to put your child in the position of saying, okay, I'll let them get sick. I know they won't die, but they're just going to struggle for a bit. That's just not good thinking. And so to the individuals who have been hesitant to get vaccinated, you know, most of the kids, they're going to follow the parents' lead. So the question is, do you love your, do you love your family? Do you love your friends? And if you love your family and love your friends, you're going to think long and hard about getting that vaccine because if you're not going to do it to save yourself, thinking about doing it for saving others. And that's the way I look at it. Mm-hmm. Now, with the uh, school that will be starting in, in a little while, a week or so, do you think everything's going to be classroom? Because if it is yes. classroom yes. and the Delta variant is really you know, it's going to be widespread, and, and children under 12 and under will not be getting the vaccine. Yeah. I, I, I see a catastrophe. I see young people getting sick and possibly even worse. What's your yeah. feeling about that? Well, I don't think New York is going to take the same wrong approach that Texas and Florida took, right, where you've got thousands of children quarantined after a couple of days of school. I think what you're going to see is, depending on the severity index, and the governor mentioned this, and I think she was appropriate yesterday, a tiered approach towards how we're going to deal with mass in schools. Um, I know the schools have been spending a lot of time and resources on improving their indoor air quality, which plays a very significant role in regards to the spread of the disease. And I do think that we can safely return these children into the classroom with the proper precautions in place, with the understanding that how we start on September 7th may be different than where we are on October 31st. It's going to have to be one of those processes where we all have to work together and focus on the good of the common, not just focus on our own individual special interests. And I, I do think that we can, I, I think we can get there. It's going to be challenging, but I think we can get there. We encourage people to continue to really consider vaccination. Be mindful of the fact that when we ask you to wear a mask, it's not for any reason, but the fact is we can't have children out of the classroom again for another year like they've gone through, another year and a half. It's just that is going to be so traumatic to them. As a pharmacist, are you horrified by this? spread of disease and the suddenness that it happened? As a healthcare professional, 
I was amazed at the spread of this disease and truly disheartened on the impact it had. And once again, looking at over 50,000 lives here in the state of New York, over 600,000 throughout the country. Um, and, you know, there's plenty of finger pointing going on. Um, that's human nature. The reality is I think we all can understand that this was hopefully a once-in-a-lifetime event that unfortunately may happen again. And therefore, it's wise for us to learn from what happened. It's wise for us to also reinvest in public health. Our state health department has been decimated. Many people, career professionals, have left. Uh, for a variety of reasons, it may have been their time. This may have been one that put them over the edge. They may not have liked the way that they possibly have been overrun by state government, uh, by the executive office. There's a lot of different things. We have to learn from this, and we also have to make sure that we don't repeat the same mistakes that were made in the past. And once again, those mistakes, I don't believe, were intentional. It was one of those situations, Cynthia, and I know you and I have been at this point in our life, where you either have a bad decision or a very bad decision to make. Your choices are limited. You have to make the best mm-hmm. decision possible. The times that we live in are really interesting um, on on every front, the political front, health-wise. Yep. It's really amazing. Sure is. So in our final minutes, John, give your contact information and you know, um, so people who, who can um, contact you yep. if they need to. Sure. So it's John McDowell, member of the uh, New York State Assembly, 108th Assembly District, which is Albany, Rensselaer, and Saratoga County. Uh, email is always the best way because it goes directly to me, and it's McDonaldJ, M-C-D-O-N-A-L-D-J, at nyassembly.gov, or call my office at 518-455-4474. My staff always, you know, whether I'm in the office or not, they know where I am, and we'll get back to you. Great. So, you know, as the uh, the Hochul administration evolves, I'd like to talk to you again. But, but one other question. We talked about COVID in schools. Do you think come September all of the legislators will be back and – um, there'll be hearings and, and people, and yes. it'll be open to yes. the public yep. as it has I, in the past. I, 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 I certainly hope so. Uh, you know, the, the building is open to the public now. It's been open for about two months. Um, I like to think that this is not going to get any worse. It's only going to get better. Um, I know with my colleagues, particularly the new ones who just joined us last year, we haven't had a chance to really develop that in-person relationship, which is so important. Well, to making sure that I know their point of view, they know my point of view. And so I certainly hope so. Wow. So you have been listening to Assemblyman John McDonald talking about both the the new Hochul administration and his thoughts on COVID. I'm Cynthia Pooler. This is Focus on Albany. If you like this show, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. Thanks, John. Um, You're welcome on the show anytime. And have a great day, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.